Welcome to another episode of Sports Card Madness, the podcast that focuses on sports cards, collectibles, the hobby, and everything in between. On today's episode, we are getting you ready for fantasy football season with our guest Dave Richard from CBS's Fantasy Football Today. Dave has been helping people win their fantasy football leagues for over two decades, and today he's here to help out all of us. We talk sleepers, busts, breakouts, and even rookies you should be watching. For those that collect, you'll learn who you should be buying, and for those that just play fantasy sports, well, you'll learn just how valuable your knowledge can be. Also, we found out that Dave is more connected to the hobby than we thought. Thanks everyone for joining us, and let's dive in. Welcome everybody to another edition of Sports Card Madness. We are with Nick, and we have a very special guest today. We have on the show, we've moved some schedules around because we know that this is fantasy football season, and we know that you're all drafting very soon. If you haven't done it already, you're doing it over the next next couple of days. So we actually have on the show today, Dave Richard from CBS's Fantasy Football Today. His accolades are amazing. We can get into all of that later on, but Dave... Thanks so much for joining us. Happy to have you. Is this where I go to complain about PSA and how how inconsistent their grades are? Oh, boy. Well, we, let's get into that. Yeah, yeah we can definitely get into that. We're going to unpack sure. that one. Yeah, we're, we're yeah. definitely going there. Okay, <laughs> great. That, I'm we're, in the right place. We're definitely <laughs> going there. I love Nick it. Nick LZ, it's, it's awesome to be with you, too. I've been collecting cards. I remember opening packs of 1984 Tops. Ooh. That's that's pretty much how far back I go. I have fond memories of my dad bringing home a box of 1989 Fleer because he wanted to get a Bill Ripken card with what on the on the bottom of the bat. And in our last <laughs> pack, last pack of the box, got our Billy Ripken, and I still have that card to this day. And Jack no Pot. PSA, I'm not going to let you grade it because you're going to give it a five. <laughs> <laughs> no, forget it forget it psa well yeah. dave i mean maybe we can give you some tips on how to get some better grades on that psa because hey. we're gonna we'll get into that so yeah right. let's definitely I get would, into that for sure i would love that <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Great card though the um, audience can google that and find out for themselves what's on the card i think <laughs> <laughs> they already know unless yeah, yeah. they're yes. like 15 years old they already know exactly what the card is yes they do yes they do well, Dave, th- thanks so much for for jumping on, right? Just just going over kind of your your background, right? I mean, you do you're killing it at at CBS, right? right? You've been doing it. I, I looked it up. It, it's almost been like two de- decades of you of you doing fantasy sports, whether it's writing, podcasting, a lot. You do a lot on social media, YouTube. You even have a TV show, which which I tuned into earlier today. So. I know your time is valuable. Thanks for coming on. I'd love if I'd love it if you could if we can just start there. Like tell us, tell us what you're doing. Tell us what's going on at CBS. We'd love to kind of hear a bit about your podcast and everything going on there, if you could. So we are here to help people win their fantasy football leagues, and we do it with free podcasts, free live shows, free digital shows, YouTube streams, written content just any possible way that you can read or see or hear fantasy football information 
we give it to you and we give it to you for free. We want people to come to us, to trust us when it comes to fantasy football, who to take, who not to take, when to take them. And helping people win their leagues is the genesis of everything that we do. It would be as if we were a grading card company that wanted to give everybody tens. And even when you send us a crumpled up card that's way off centered, yeah, we're still going to give you a 10. Okay. Our grading is going to be worthless, but we want to make everybody happy. And we want everybody to feel like they're going to win. And not everybody can win every year. 10% of people who play fantasy football are the winners. That's basically what the average is. But we we help you get there. We help you get to the playoffs. We help you get to the finals. I'm part of a an amazing crew of guys who do, do this year round. We study football year round. We watch every snap of the preseason. We watch the regular season. We we crunch numbers. We've got a data company backing us up. We've got research teams, and we've got men and women who work for CBS Sports who also help us and and share their information with us. So we we do everything we can. Like I've already said, I think three times already, help people win their fantasy leagues in every single type of format you could possibly imagine. Well, you have certainly helped me win some fantasy football leagues in the past, although I will yeah. say I've, I've, nice. I've, I've hit the dry spell a little bit. It's probably been about three or four years since my last win. So mm. I got to get, I got to get back at it. I got to pay attention to you a little bit more. But later on, I definitely want you to help out Nick, and we'll get into it. But hopefully, you'll be able to help Nick this year win his fantasy league. So and Nick's back uh, in it for the first time in ten years. Yeah, I've been yes. doing NBA fantasy, but haven't haven't done NFL. I figured okay. why. Not. Well, it's not even close to the same thing, but we'll we'll help you. <laughs> we'll help you get there. Awesome. Well, we've um, got to find you the Giannis of of fantasy football. Ooh. Yeah, exactly. Might be Bijan Robinson. Ooh. All right. Yes, I I want to get into to Bijan later on definitely because that was one of one of the things I wanted to ask you about no that was really interesting you just kind of talking about the support staff that you and your team have behind you right with even the the analytics team and I I really appreciate and I sure I'm sure the audience does what your team does how how all of this is free I think it's I think it's amazing there are some competitors in the space that also probably do some similar things that you guys do but what what sets you apart, you think, compared to the other bigger players in the space? I, I think everybody wants to help people win their fantasy leagues. What sets us apart? Well, we've we've been together as a group. One of my colleagues is Jamie Eisenberg. He's been working for CBS since 2006. So I, I guess this is year 17 or 18 that we're going to be working together. Um, our podcast host, his name is Adam Azer. He's been with us, I think, since 2008. Heath Cummings is another guy who works with us. He's been with us close to a decade. We we all get along, and we are friends, and we, we we've got that camaraderie and chemistry that I think makes our shows entertaining. You don't want to listen to something that's boring, and it's it's a regurgitation of stats, and it's Trevor Lawrence's numbers last year were 4,113 pass yards and 25 touchdowns. And he averaged like you're bored already. You're trying to fast forward. Mm -hmm. Okay. We, we try and keep it fun. We know it's fancy football that we're talking about. We're not stock investors or home flippers or card flippers for that matter. That's investing too. 
So we, we keep it fun. We keep it light. We know that everybody wants to win. We give you guys options on how to do it and the different ways you could go about it. And we're all passionate about it. Like I've, I've always been very passionate about helping people almost no matter what, but certainly in fantasy. And uh, we also like being there for people. People will reach out. We, we answer a ton of questions on our podcasts. We get tweets or X posts, whatever we're supposed to call them now. We get a lot of those. We answer a lot of those. We answer, I, I give out my email address. You could, people can email directly. Happy to help them with their fantasy teams. That accessibility, I think, sets us apart. I don't think that you see other fantasy football analysts with other companies doing nearly as much as far as answering people's questions directly as we do. And it's it's been a firm belief of mine since I started writing professionally two decades ago. You've got to make your audience one person at a time. And Mm -hmm. so it's it's worked out for me it, it's worked out for us it's worked out for everybody and i think as long as people know that we're real people that really care about their fantasy teams and we're fun to listen to they stick around yeah you you definitely hit the nail on the head with the accessibility part of it i i, I believe that is that is what sets you guys apart because you're right i, I listen to your podcasts and and your different content that you have and you know, you have these sections where it's answering all these emails and exactly the the tweets. And you do that a lot more often than the other shows. I think you 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 take that section or that part of your show a lot more serious. Yes. I, I, I also witnessed you guys do a great job of like reaching out to your audience too. Like you have different leagues that you'll involve them in and different drafts you'll involve them in. So yeah. It's it and with the whole piece around, I couldn't help but think of this with the whole piece around you talking about like the tenure that you guys have had, right? The chemistry you've been working together for so long. I almost equate you guys to you have the NCAA basketball tournament coming up, and you're trying to figure out who's which team's going to win, and you look for that veteran college team that has like eight seniors on the team uh, and you're like oh man i'm definitely picking them because they're yeah. they've been together for for a long time and they they, they know how to play together so yeah you're, you're right you're That's... telling everybody my secret of how i do in my brackets <laughs> that longevity matters nice yeah it does matter around the longevity like how did how did you just get into this space i mean i think for a lot of people who are playing fantasy sports they're probably jealous of you, right? Oh man, Dave gets to like do this for a living. He gets to do mock drafts all the time and talk about them and write these great articles. I'm just curious, like what, what did your journey look like? Oh man, how much, how much time do we have for this? <laughs> as I, much I, as I you'll give, give us. <laughs> I, I could give you the really fast version or I could give you the slow painstaking version. I started playing fantasy when I was ni- in 1997. I was 20, 21 and I sucked. I was terrible. I didn't really care. I didn't study. I just showed up at my drafts and took players whose names I knew never for like three years, didn't even finish above 500. So I was, I was the mark in, in my fantasy league. And the year was 2000. And I said to myself, I really want to get good at this. And so I spent the entire off season charting every single NFL move, deciding, okay, does this move mean something? If it does, who does it affect? Who does it affect on another team, like when a free agent signs or when there's a trade? And 
I just simply paying attention to the news of the National Football League year round, and especially around the draft, gave me an edge, and it certainly gave me confidence when it came to drafting the following year. And sure enough, I won the league. And I, I said to myself, okay, well, now I figured out how to do this. All I have to do is just pay attention and, and, and I'll be okay. And I'll be able to be competitive in fantasy football. Around the same time, I started working at CBS Sports back when it was called Sportsline. Mm-hmm. And we still have, we, we have a division of Sportsline now that's about betting and, and sports gaming. And it's, it's, it's just a different, it's the same name, but a different thing. And I quickly became the fantasy football guy in the office. People ask questions about their fantasy league. I was prepared to answer them. You want to join our league, Dave? Sure. Won the league back-to-back years. So, like, now here, I'm, I'm ahead of the curve on this fantasy sports thing. And around 2001, the this is something. The National Football League wasn't sure if the internet was going to be a, a thing. So... CBS paid for the right to produce the National Football League's website for them. And I ended up getting the football education of a lifetime from Gil Brandt, who was the architect of the early Dallas Cowboys team before Jerry Jones bought the team, from Pat Kerwin, who was an executive with first the Bucks and then some other teams and then the Jets. Now you hear him on satellite radio all the time. Marv Levy, who led the Buffalo Bills to four straight Super Bowls. I was effectively Gil and Marv's ghostwriter for three years. And I, I I talked to Gil every day, Marv every week, and Pat a couple times a week. And I just I got the most incredible base of knowledge, what to look for in players, how to separate the great players from the good players, the good players from the average players why the average players matter and why they can still help teams win grateful for that experience. And while I was working on NFL.com with those guys, the NFL reached out to CBS and said, Hey, does anybody on your staff know anything about this fantasy football stuff? And they said, yeah, Dave does. And in 2003, I was the NFL's first fantasy writer Had a column every week, did a chat on Sundays, again, accessibility, being there for people to answer their questions, been doing this for a while. And a couple of years later, CBS said, Dave, you've been doing a great job for the NFL. We want you to do it for us. They made me a great offer. And I I, I moved desks in the same building because I was a CBS employee just assigned to the NFL's website. And I became a full-time fantasy football writer for CBS in 2005. And I've had the same job title ever since, but man, has the job changed. But I still reflect back on all the lessons learned in my earlier years. And obviously, clearly, I'm still paying attention to every little move that happens in the National Football League during the dead of the offseason. I'm still paying attention because I know that that's one of the secrets to winning in fantasy. Mm. Wow. So, I mean, that's that's amazing. I mean, you were literally the first NFL fantasy football writer. Like, that's nuts. That's really cool. I, I didn't even tell you what I was doing before I worked for Sportsline and how I went from that job to Sportsline this before the fantasy stuff. You guys might want to know this part. 
do tell do tell dave (laughs) i I went to the university of miami to study to be a screenwriter i wanted to write movies and make movies for a living Hmm. by the time i graduated i didn't want to do it anymore my second love besides movies was sports cards i opened an online sports memorabilia business and sold cards and autographs and everything else that you can imagine online did a great job of buying up stuff in the chicagoland area and then turning it around and selling it for significant profit online. One of the best stories from the time is the Carrie Wood threw a, a very infamous 20K strikeout game for the Chicago Cubs while he was a rookie. The day before, I called his agent and asked if Carrie Wood was interested in doing any autograph signings. When he didn't get back to me, I left a message. But as soon as he throws the 20K game, the whole world's banging down his door for his autograph. They called me back and they said, because you asked before the 20K game, we'd like to give you the opportunity. And so Carrie Wood was the first autograph signing that I did with my business way back in the day. And so the, the business was fun. I didn't put my best effort into it. And eventually I got the opportunity to work for CBS and it was a good job that they offered me straight out of nothing. And that's what basically kickstarted my life after college and after a year and a half, two years of sports memorabilia business. But I was in, I've been dealing with cards my whole life, fellas. So I'm, we've got stories to share about that. Yes. I mean, you've definitely found the, the right line of work. I feel like your entire life has been on this trajectory of sports and football and collectibles and everything. So of course you have a memorabilia shop. Of course. I'm, I'm extremely lucky, Nick. This this didn't happen. I fell ass backwards into it multiple times, but I stayed, I got to stay with it because I work hard. Mm-hmm. And so I, I almost wonder if I had worked this hard at sports memorabilia, would, would, would I be up there with Dave and Adams card world right now? Could I possibly be up there with PWCC or are they still cool or are they, they are? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, the baseball card exchange. The baseball card exchange. I, I've i known Steve Hart. I mean, I don't know him, know him, but I've been going to Steve Hart's shop since the 90s, back when he had like a little storefront in Lansing, Illinois. So very familiar with some of the greats. If you're, if you're a diehard, longstanding sports card collector, you'll remember Sunset Sports in South Miami. I worked for them. For a couple of years, they were one of the bigger shops in the country. I, I, I always wonder if I'd worked this hard, could I have been as big as those guys? I don't know. And, and honestly, I don't really have to think about it much because I really enjoy doing what I do now. Right. I'm sure you sound like the type of person who'd probably be successful in whatever path you chose. It's interesting. Well, then I should have been a, a home buyer and an investor. <laughs> then you'd be talking to me from my yacht in the Mediterranean. Oh, give it time. Yes. Give it time. <laughs> What's funny about Steve Hart, they uh, they are the go-to company for packs and cases now. Yeah. Like they are oh, the gold gosh. standard to decide whether a pack has been unopened or open. Mm-hmm. Same thing with a case. Yeah. I myself have sent cases to them. And then he slaps a wrap over it with a hologram, signed Steve Hart. So he's yep. like the guy. Crazy. So way back in the day, Steve had packs for sale of Anything you could imagine, including packs of 1986 Fleer basketball. 
And I want to say that they were like 150 bucks a pack. Maybe it was even less than that. But his his he was the Willy Wonka of sports cards and memorabilia in Chicagoland. He had everything. He had all he had like he didn't have box packs and boxes of like 52 tops or anything like that. But he he would have just incredible stuff that you just you don't ever see. And then he also had box after box after box after box in a showcase of 81 tops, 82 tops, 83 tops, 84 tops. I mean, just it, it, it was, it was a fun time every time I went to Steve's shop because he had just an unbelievable assortment of wax and he still does. I don't know if you've ever made it out to a shop in Indiana. I went there two summers ago, pulled a really awesome Christian Javier rookie card out of there too. But he had he had wax going back twenty five years, thirty years, forty years, and it's just it's wow. the coolest to see. Yeah, it's amazing. He has a good service. If you want, if I want to grab some old garbage pail kids for my son or something like that, then I hit <laughs> sure. him up and I can get some packs. I mean, the eighty six flare packs. Those are how much do you those think? Are those are a little bit tougher now? to come by and to make sure that they're good. <laughs> yeah, right? they're about three grand a piece now, so it's crazy. Just the pack, the box, about one hundred fifty I... grand. I grew up in Chicago and there were Michael Jordan rookie cards at every single show that I went to. And I just think to myself, they were like $600 each back then. And I just think to myself, why didn't I buy oh, Dave. Michael Jordan rookie cards? <laughs> How about, so one of, one of my guilty pleasures is playing poker and mm. I, I binked a poker tournament. It's gotta be close to 10 years ago. And I took the money that I won from that tournament and I bought a Michael Jordan rookie. It's a BGS though. It's a BGS nine. Is that bad? No, that's no. that's really good. That's okay. really good. That's great. It's a BGS well, nine is well before a... the pandemic. So I I basically doubled my winnings from the poker tournament. If you include what the jewelry. Yes, you won. did. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's really the probably the third nicest one you can have. You've got your your PSA ten, your nine point five, and then your nine. There are no, there's even one above a PSA 10 where it'd be like a pristine Michael Jordan. That doesn't exist. There is not one in existence. So you're doing pretty well. That's a very good card. Well, I always wanted to have one. And so when I got the money to actually spend on one, I decided to do it. And that's my memento from, from my poker journey. Definitely hang on to it. Do you have anything else from those days? Any other collectibles or anything like that? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. What do I have that you guys would care about? Okay, so in 19... Here, this is really what I need to get out on on your show. In 1997, Upper Deck created a football set called The Legends, and there were autographs. I think there was one autograph a box. And three-quarters of the autographs were guys that no one cared about. Babe Perilli, and I don't know, I could I could name... I could probably name like five or six guys if I sat here and thought about it. Just absolute nobodies. But they also had the everybodies. Walter Payton and Jim Brown and Bart Starr and Franco Harris and Joe Namath, all the legends of the game who were legends back in the late nineties. And I've always wanted to build that set of the autographs. And I, I need some of the short print guys. I've got Walter, but I need some of the other guys. And I know that they're expensive as hell, but that that's, it's kind of a pipe dream of mine to go and finish that set. And then to display it behind me, like right now I've got copies of our magazines from the years, Mm -hmm. but it would be pretty amazing 
if I could get the complete set of 97 Upper Deck Legends autos and, and put that behind me. You could probably I do it. I mean, I, I myself did the 1986 Fleer NBA set fully autographed in about six months. I have it. No way. I have it in my office, actually. So it's possible. You can write to players still. I mean, obviously, if they're alive and get things signed and put it together. Especially What's with your the reach, story too. behind the Jordan? Well, that I had to buy at auction. <laughs> but okay. It's a nice card. There's actually two Jordans in that set. There's a sticker, yeah, yeah, the and, sticker. and a base. So I had to get both of those autographed to officially have the set. But yeah, it's pretty cool. It was a fun, it was a fun activity, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah Dave, I, I'm going through it too, actually. Not complete yet. I have 18 cards to go. I have the Jordan sticker done. Don't have the base rookie like like you yet. But yeah, it's it's doable. It's doable. So yeah, if you want to chase that set, I mean, me, me and Nick can certainly help you do it. And I'm sure this, this podcast, yeah. this episode is going to help you too. You'll get people reaching out to you, I'm sure. That's great. So, Find yeah. me on Twitter. Right or, or yeah, you, X, you definitely did. Richard. <laughs> All right, Nick, we, we have our mission. We're going to help Dave. Love it. <laughs> We're going to help him with this. All right. Yeah, that's that's great. I mean, thank you for sharing that background, right? I mean, that's that's a big surprise. We didn't know you were so into collecting day that's that's fantastic absolutely you know we we advertised or we're going to advertise this definitely as the it's the show to get you ready for your fantasy draft and we're here to also help nick and myself as well so I, i'd love to it if we can kind of get into this a bit yeah. and pick your brain a bit on who to draft right i mean we're this is kind of draft week, I would think. Probably is was last weekend the the busiest weekend. Do you think, Dave? This, this one coming up, we're recording oh, on the twenty eighth. Okay. So the, the the weekend after Labor Day weekend, mm-hmm. and then in the days after that, those will be the busiest draft days. Okay. Yeah. Well, this is perfect timing then. Perfect Absolutely. timing. Yeah. The, the preseason games are done. I've watched a lot. I haven't watched everything yet from the third week of the preseason, but I've I've got notes on everybody. Okay. All right. Well, let's get into it then so with people heading into their drafts over the next couple of days and in this weekend you've now seen as you mentioned all the all the preseason games you've been paying attention to all the injury news you've been t- paying attention to free agent signings and there's a couple of trades that just happened who are the players that you're targeting more from let's call it like a breakout standpoint who are who are the ones that that you're you're chasing or we should be the- drafting Okay. And so when I hear the term breakout, I think a player who could have like the best year of their career. Yes. Okay. So we, we might say that Jalen Hurts had a breakout year last year. Tony Pollard had a breakout year last year. We could, we, Justin Fields, CD Lamb, we could name a bunch, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they can't be better than what they were last year. And so, yes, Tony Pollard broke out last year. Everybody knows his name now. I think he can be better this year just because there's no Ezekiel Elliott in Dallas. Should be the main running back there. Averaged almost 16 PPR points per game with Ezekiel Elliott. What's he going to do when Zeke, who had 19 touches inside the five last year, gone in New England now? I think that there's a huge opportunity for Tony Pollard to get close to 20 fantasy points per game. And I don't mind taking him in round one, one bit. If you get to round two, I think Garrett Wilson is a breakout candidate. We all saw him make that amazing touchdown grab from Aaron Rodgers in the preseason game against the Giants. That's a sampling of what Garrett Wilson can do. I've been watching him play for several years. He's got amazing hands. He runs great routes. He's got great speed. 
And now he's got a quarterback who can throw with some accuracy. Case in point, last year, when he was catching passes from Joe Flacco and Mike White and Chris Streveler and Nick Johnson, I just made up that name. He doesn't even exist. <laughs> 17, over 17 PPR points per game he averaged. He had some monster games. Now he's got Aaron Rodgers. So it makes sense to me that Garrett Wilson should be viewed as a top 10 type of fantasy wide receiver, a good breakout in round two. I'm I'm a big fan of Christian Watson of the Green Bay Packers. I, I actually don't mind his running mate, Romeo Dobbs, too. Both those wide receivers. Dobbs more of a sleeper than a breakout. You can certainly draft him in the double-digit rounds. Watson's going to be drafted. Let's see, what's his ADP, his average draft position? On CBS, it's 48th. So end of round four, beginning of round five. I see a five-tool receiver. I think he can run. I think he can cut. I think he can jump. I think he's strong, and I, I know he's big. And so when you've got all those things going for you, you can end up being an excellent stat producer. That's the name of the game in fantasy. And his quarterback, Jordan Love, literally just finished watching his preseason film before I came on with you guys. He's not perfect. Okay, He's a little late on some of his throws, but I think he's going to end up being good for the Packers. I actually like the Packers a lot this year. Watson's a breakout candidate for me. A couple of other names that I'll give you, and if you want, I can touch on them. Some of them are obvious. Trevor Lawrence, kind of obvious in Jacksonville. Mm -hmm. Uh, Rashad White in Tampa. James Cook in Buffalo. George Pickens. I'm a big George Pickens guy in Pittsburgh. Sky Moore in Kansas City. Kyle Pitts in, in Atlanta. Damian Pierce with the Houston Texans really think that he could break out as well. And I think that's my list. Is that enough? That, that is, that is plenty. That is plenty. I appreciate that. I want to go back to a, a couple, couple of points you were making. So, and, and actually I guess both of these guys are related. So you mentioned Rogers because of Wilson. What do you, what do you, what's your, what do you, what are your thoughts on Rogers this year? I, I'm not sure if he's going to get enough opportunities to have a big blowout year like he did a couple of years back, those back-to-back MVP years. Listen, he had Devontae Adams for those years, and Devontae was amazing, and the Packers let Aaron pretty much do whatever he wanted. I would I would say that last year was a, was a down year for a reason for Rodgers. He was playing hurt, and for the first half of the year, his receivers were terrible. Romeo Dobbs was there. He was terrible. He he looks a lot better now. Christian Watson dropped his very first target in the NFL and ended up missing the first half of the season. If you had listened to our podcast last year, you would have heard me say on multiple weeks, I think Christian Watson's going to end up mattering. You should go pick him up. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, Christian Watson averaged over 17 fantasy points per game to end last season. I think Roger, I, I almost wish that if he, I almost wish that he had another good target besides Garrett Wilson. If he if he's got Alan Lazard and Nicole Hardman and Randall Cobb and it, you kind of laugh at those names. Mm-hmm. I but don't he think wanted those them. guys are good enough to to look at Rodgers and say, "Okay, yes, Aaron Rodgers is going to be amazing and w- we should race to draft him." I think he's got questions about his upside. But as I look at CBS's average draft position referencing ADP again, He's going 87th overall. That's round eight. I feel like that's way too early for Aaron Rodgers because you could you could wait a little longer. You could get Tua Tungavailoa with Miami, who's got more upside. That's an offense that's going to throw a lot. Dak Prescott in Dallas, 
I think that's an offense that's going to throw a lot too. And a guy that we've been talking about all month long, the rookie in Indy, Anthony Richardson. That guy's going to run for a lot of yards. How many yards is he going to throw for? Eh, that that's that's an open question. But we've seen Jalen Hurts, Justin Fields, Lamar Jackson, mm. Josh Allen. These guys have been awesome for fantasy because of their rushing. Richardson might outrush them all and might have an amazing year on the ground. And stats are the name of the game in fantasy. And so if if you're drafting Rodgers, maybe you draft Richardson too, and then you've got one quarter, both your quarterbacks theoretically have upside, but I would say that Richardson's got plenty of it. Mm. You should be able to do well with one of the two. Just what the advice that I give for quarterbacks is just don't reach get one at a fair value. If you feel like, okay, this feels like the right time to get a quarterback and, and you like the guy, go for it. Don't take one in round one. That's reaching. Get your wide receiver. Running back. Get your top running back. Go with then if Mahomes is sitting there after those two, which he won't be. Yeah. <laughs> but if he is. But so so to the Rodgers, do you think if you draft Rodgers, you can then follow up with a Richardson? Like from an ADP perspective, did that does that work? Or yes, no? it, oh, it, it does. absolutely works. Okay. So Rogers ADP was what did I say, 87th. Mm-hmm. Richardson's is 117th. He's 30 picks Perfect. later. So yeah. you're talking two, three rounds later, you can go get Richardson. What's crazy is, and I think this is consensus for everybody at CBS, we would draft Richardson first. We would take him first thinking that a quarterback like Rogers could be available later. Like Dak Prescott's going after Aaron Rodgers. I'd rather have Dak. Get, get somebody who's stable. Get a mm-hmm. veteran. No one is, no one really wants to draft Geno Smith. I promise you, Geno Smith is going to have a, a pretty good year in Seattle. You compare Richardson with him. So maybe the the if you, if you have to have Rodgers, if you believe in him, you can get him. And then you could still draft Richardson later. Look, based on ADP, that is a plan that you could make. Yeah, it works. It works. And and we're we're thinking, what, a thousand plus yards? What are we saying, Dave, for Richardson? We year. are projecting him. So we we have multiple sets of projections on CBS. One of them is through Sportsline, which I mentioned earlier. That's the betting and gaming platform that we have. They do projections. They projected Richardson for over a thousand yards. I mentioned Heath Cummings earlier. Heath does his own set of projections. He's got him going for over a thousand yards. It's contingent on him playing 17 games. Mm-hmm. Here's one of the reasons why people aren't excited to draft Richardson. If he goes out this year and he's got a, a completion rate of 40%, Colts could bench him. We we see that occasionally where players are great for fantasy, but not great for the NFL. Mm-hmm. And these coaches need to win. Mm-hmm. If Shane Steichen has a terrible year, he's not guaranteed next year. Especially if the Colts have the number one pick, that whole offense could get blown up. Is that so, the same story that happened with Fields? Didn't Fields start the season and then he got benched and then he came back? How did how did what his, was the story with him? So his rookie year, he did not start. I think Andy Dalton was the quarterback. Okay, and then yeah, I I think I don't know if this is for sure the truth, but I think the coaching staff at the time was pressured to put Fields in, mm. and they did, and he looked awful against the Browns. And really, Justin Fields did not look good until week five of last year. And then he started just running a lot. And his his passing actually in the red zone was outstanding. He was the number one quarterback in red zone completion rate and red zone touchdown rate. I had the chance to tell his offensive coordinator that this offseason, Luke Getze, he had no idea. But he was beaming when I told him. He thought that that was awesome. 
Wow. So that just that just tells me that the Bears scheme up their offense very well when they're near the goal line. And that's a positive thing, I would say, mm-hmm. guys. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So we were focusing on positives. Let's focus on, I don't know what you call them, negatives, but who are you avoiding? Just a couple. Just like your yeah, top uh, two or three. Sure. Well, I'm not yeah. going to give you two or three. I'm, okay. I'm going to overload you guys, and then you tell me <laughs> who you want to talk about more. Okay. And yes, this is talking negative, but cases, look, you can make the case for anybody to be a bust, but these are the guys who I genuinely feel are being overdrafted based on ADP. Ramondre Stevenson, running back for the Patriots. Najee Harris, running back for the Steelers. DK Metcalf, wide receiver for the Seahawks. Lamar Jackson, quarterback for the Ravens. Kenneth Walker, running back for the Seahawks. George Kittle, tight end for the 49ers. Terry McLaurin, wide receiver for the Commanders. I think that one's kind of obvious. We may not need to touch on that one. Mm -hmm. Darren Waller, tight end for the Giants. Dalvin Cook, running back for the New York Football Jets. And then pretty much anybody else on the Denver Broncos. Anybody else? Pretty much anybody else on the Denver Broncos. Yeah. All right, I want to start, fellas. All right, I want to. I want to start with Stevenson. So, I'm a Patriots season ticket holder, of course. Yes, and I'm actually a Stevenson owner. Mm -hmm. So I was a little torn when when we when we picked up Zeke. Right, I mean, I I definitely think the Patriots needed a reliable backup running back, but whether it was Zeke or who else. So, talk to me a bit about that. Is it all just because of Zeke? It's going to take some touches away. What's what's your thoughts on Stevenson? Well, all of these predictions are based on where these players are going in fantasy drafts and the ADP on Ramondre Stevenson. It's actually gone down since I wrote my article. Maybe people read it and they agree. He's now a late three pick. I think he's at best around four pick. So Mm. I'm not that far off of what the general public thinks of Ramondre Stevenson, but as a Patriots fan, you would know better than anybody. How reliable are Patriots running backs from week to week? Yeah. It's hit or miss. You never know. So you just don't know. Why would we spend a top 30 or 35 pick on a Patriots running back when we know that one week it could be one guy, one week it's another guy, one week it might be neither guy, occasionally it's both guys. And sometimes there's a third guy that we don't even think about. Kevin Harris could come out of nowhere. Ty Montgomery gets healthy by some miracle, and Mm -hmm. he ends up getting some production in there. But here's a stat that really stood out to me last year, and you can tell me if, if this is relatable or not. There were eight games where Damian Harris saw at least 10 touches. Damian Harris was with the Patriots last Mm -hmm. year. You were probably thrilled to see him go to Buffalo. (laughs) In those games, Ramondre averaged 12.5 PPR points per game and less than nine non-PPR points per game. This is a top 30 pick that we're talking about. Okay, When you're drafting somebody in round three, you'll want to hope for more than 12.5 PPR points per game. He averaged four and a six, 4.6 targets per game. That's pretty good. And he caught 3.9 of them. But that's what you have to count on with Ramondre is that he continues to be a target hog. And I, I think this offense is going to be different now. Patriots fans better hope so. Because I last guess. year's offense was not good at all. Bill <laughs> O'Brien's a good play caller. Mm-hmm. And I, I think the addition of Juju Smith-Schuster, some of these young receivers that the Patriots have, I think they'll help. And I think that'll make the team less reliant on Stevenson as a as a target hog like he was last year, particularly in those games with Najee. 
Here's another issue that I have with Stevenson. Those eight games with Harris, he scored one time. He scored two touchdowns in any game with Harris. Harris might have had fewer than 10 touches. Two. Two touchdowns. Wow. And against the entire AFC East, who scored more touchdowns? Ramondre Stevenson or Nick? (laughs) Oh, come on. Really? It was that bad. They tied with zero. Come on. And I still, Jets defense is going to be good. (sighs) Bill's defense is going to be good. I'm telling you the Dolphins defense is going to be good. Mm. And Zeke, everybody thinks, oh, well, with Zeke, he's just going to score a touchdown every week like he did in Dallas. He was in Dallas. And this is New England, and this offense isn't the same thing. Zeke will be lucky to get six touchdowns. I think Ramondre will be lucky to get six touchdowns. But yeah, I, I I, just, I'm staying away from Bill Belichick coach teams, running backs, and Ramondre Stevenson, who had opportunities when he was sharing, not coming through last year. Mm-hmm. Now he's supposed to come through this year maybe it happens and i'm way off base but not in the third round myself i can't tie myself to him with a top 30 pick Mm -hmm. yep all right i can i can get behind that all right well i definitely want to get to helping out nick here but before we do that i do want to go through and and i think this ties back to collecting a bit so you touched on anthony richardson right who are some of the other rookies that we should be drafting and at the same time maybe even thinking about collecting Okay, I like this. Well, yeah. I Bijan's going to first round pick, but collecting him is going to be expensive at this point. Mm-hmm. Oh, do I have a name for you? Can I'll, we stay I'll on Bijan for one sec? Yeah, I, sure. I wanted to talk to you about Bijan. Sure. Everybody is like every analyst, including you, is all in on Bijan. Mm-hmm. He's a rookie, and and people are taking him in the first round. Can you help my nerves a bit? with why I should be taking him in the first round with my first pick of rookie running back? I'll tell you what solidified it for me. The Falcons came, I, I live in South Florida. The Falcons came down for a couple of joint practices with the Dolphins. These are practices where you, the general public really doesn't see anything but a couple of highlights here and there. Bijan Robinson was lined up out wide in the slot. He was in jet motion. They are not going to use him entirely like a traditional Running back. He will he will probably line up the most as a traditional running back, but you can expect him to line up as a wide receiver. And whether it was a one-on-one drill, a seven-on-seven drill, or an 11-on-11 drill, I think he caught every single short red zone target he got for a touchdown. Wow. He can cut. Yeah, you saw it in the preseason game against Cincinnati. He's a good route runner. He sh- He almost had a touchdown catch. In that game against Cincinnati, if you, if you remember the game, Drake London made a, a, a dazzling sideline grab before the Bengals could challenge it. The Falcons were trying to line up and run a play. They actually snapped the ball and Bijan got open and Ritter was going to throw to him and he would have scored on the play. The Bengals threw the challenge flag. And so the play didn't count. But I, I saw him up close and personal. And I don't know if a lot of fantasy managers can say that they've, or fantasy analysts, I should say, can say that they've watched B. John Robinson practice. He's the real deal. And I got to talk to him after practice. He's extremely focused on football. He's a high-character guy. He understands that he's got rare traits and talents. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's being asked to do things, a lot of which he did in college, and even some things he couldn't tell me what they were, but some things that he didn't do in college. I think he's going to end up being the absolute focal point of the Atlanta Falcons offense. And that's not really anything surprising, but he's 
he's got a shot to be absolutely outstanding as far as collecting stats goes. And that's what fantasy football is all about. You're trying to get people that are going to get 100 total yards a game, four or five catches per game, a bunch of touchdowns. I think he's good for double-digit touchdowns. I, I think he's going to be very, very exciting, very fun to deal with. And then this is one of my this is just this is just a stat that has absolutely almost absolutely nothing to do with Bijan. I'll have prior top ten running backs done. Just off the top of the dome, you know that Saquon Barkley was a top ten running back, Ezekiel huh? Elliott was a top ten running back. Okay. Through the last 15 years, there's been seven running backs picked in the top ten. That's it. Okay. Five of the last six that were drafted, and two of them I okay. Of the seven. Five have finished top 10 in PPR points per game as a rookie. Four of them averaged over 15 PPR points per game as a rookie. Two of them averaged over 20 PPR points per game as a rookie. I will tell you that one of them was CJ Spiller back in 2010. I would love for you guys to try and guess who the other former top 10 running back who did not average 15 PPR points per game was. Can you, can you take a stab at it? it? He's someone, if you've played fantasy football, you've absolutely heard of him. You might have even drafted him with your first pick. Top 10 running back. First round pick this year in fantasy. Oh, he's a first round pick? Is it he's Barkley? Gonna be a, he, he, hmm? Barkley? Not Barkley. Oh, Barkley um, was one of the 20-point guys. Oh, that's right. Where was McCaffrey drafted? McCaffrey? McCaffrey was drafted eighth overall. Is I don't know. Who is it? Who is it? Is that your answer? Yeah. Good it was? Yes. Ah. Christian McCaffrey, as a rookie, averaged 13.3 PPR points per game. He was running back 13. And it was because the Carolina Panthers, in all their wisdom, thought that they could just work him in a little bit as a rookie. I remember that. I remember okay. that. Jonathan mm-hmm. Stewart ended up taking a lot of work away mm-hmm. from Christian McCaffrey. Yep. Thank you very much, Jonathan Stewart, for ruining that stat. Anyway, Tyler right, Algier so- is not going to do that. Cordero Patterson's not going to do that. Bijan no. Robinson has a chance to, I don't know, twenty. Is he going to be number one pick next year in he, fantasy? I, if if you ask me, who the number one running back is going to be next year in fantasy, mm-hmm. I would say Bijan. Yep. I'm not sure if he'll be up there with Jefferson or Chase, but he's going to be in the mix. Okay. Unless he stinks. But I doubt yep. it. I I've, I've seen enough of him to completely believe in him. Yeah. Oh, all right. Well, that's good. So Richardson, Bijan. Hold on. So wait, I never really even gave you any rookies. Yeah. yeah. Who else? Who else do you have? <laughs> I really believe in Jameer Gibbs. I think that Jameer Gibbs is going to be a productive running back for Detroit, for the Detroit Lions. Right. Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. There's four interesting rookie wide receivers that were taken in round one. My favorite one for this year is going to be Jordan Addison with the Vikings. I think Zay Flowers could be number two. Jackson Smith and Ed Jigba, number three. Excuse me, Quentin Johnson, number four. But those guys should be good. And then the tight ends. All of a sudden, there are some interesting tight ends in fantasy that are rookies. Dalton Kincaid in Buffalo. I've watched his preseason film. Looks like he's going to play a lot with Josh Allen. That's a good thing. I think Buffalo drafted him to be kind of like a a, a guy to take away uh, or rather a guy for Josh Allen to throw to when defenses try and keep the bills from throwing deep. So they're worried about Diggs getting double teamed and Gabe Davis on the other side. 
they're going to defenses are going to try to take away the deep ball from Josh Allen and the bills are going to say, okay, cool. We're going to throw it down the seam to our six foot six rookie tight end. And you guys are going to have to deal with that. So I like him. I think he's a pretty good sleeper. The lions drafted a tight end named Sam Laporta. He's also getting first team work with, with Detroit. I like him. And then the guy that I would invest in, and I think I'm going to tell you this and then not invest in him myself. I've been impressed with Aiden O'Connell with the okay. Las Vegas Raiders. He he was great at Purdue. He's just not a big guy, but he can throw. And the Raiders have Jimmy Garoppolo as their starting quarterback. I don't know how healthy he is. Wouldn't surprise me to see Aiden O'Connell kind of pull a Brock Purdy from last mm. year. And I know you guys know how big time Brock Purdy was in the hobby. Absolutely. He's huge. I think O'Connell could be that next guy. Yeah. I mean, QBs are so important. It's kind of like in basketball, your centers aren't necessarily, they don't do as well. Your Tim Duncan's your shacks and stuff, but the flashy point guard shooting guard, your Anthony Edwards, they pop. Right. And it's similar here. So if you get a quarterback that comes out of nowhere, you'll see the prices rise on their cards for sure. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, let's so. get to let's get to Nick. So Nick, I hope you've been taking <laughs> notes it up for, from yeah. Dave. All oh, these yeah. sleepers, <laughs> the rookies. So lay lay it out for Dave. What so, what you're up against? All right, so Dave, just for some background. Okay, I've been doing NBA fantasy for a long time. I don't yep. think I've finished worse than second ever, and that's wow eight years running, give or take. So I'm I'm pretty good Impressive. at NBA. <laughs> Football is. Another story. I'm obviously a football fan, big Pats fan. I pay attention. I watch ESPN like everybody else. My fraternity brothers suckered me into a paid league this year. And I, I said, fine, um, I'm doing a sports card podcast. I need to know my stuff. So I'm in. I can't get out. My draft is a day after Labor Day. <laughs> and I think I know what my league is based on. And I am I completely screwed or what do you think? <laughs> no, you just need to prepare a little bit. All right. You, you should know what the basics are for each position this year and and kind of like what the overarching strategies are. Let's start with tight end. I know you know who Travis Kelsey is. Of course. Travis Kelsey is a, a awesome fantasy producer. He produces like a top 10 wide receiver. You have to decide how badly you would like to have a guy like that differentiating your team from everybody else in the league. If that means something to you, he should be your round pick, assuming you're not picking, like, I'd say the top four or five. Mm-hmm. Terrific middle round pick just to have that type of different player. If you do that, you should probably wait on quarterback because it's very hard to build a, a great team unless you're drafting with a bunch of idiots when you take a tight end and a quarterback with your early picks. So you kind of have to sacrifice quarterback, maybe, to go and, and get Travis Kelsey. And obviously, you're sacrificing great players at other positions. But with your round two, round three, round four pick, hopefully you more than make up for that. The phrase that we've coined for tight end strategy is great or late. After Kelsey, the next best tight end is is Mark Andrews. He's good. He's just not as productive as Kelsey. After that, there's like, TJ Hawkinson and Kyle Pitts and Darren Waller and Kittle. And you, you heard me say their names on my, my bus list. I think that they just go too soon in drafts. So I don't take them. I wait until the double digit rounds to go and get a tight end. And I'm, I'm kind of excited about 
Pat Fryermuth in in Pittsburgh. I think he could end up having a pretty good year. I get interested in David Njoku, who I didn't think I'd be that interested in after he broke out last year, but I think he could have another good year. I mentioned Kincaid in Buffalo, Sam Laporta in Detroit. Basically, if you're waiting late to take a tight end, you're not going to necessarily commit to him for the whole year. You're going to draft him, and you're going to hope that he's good two out of the first four weeks of the season, and then you'll reevaluate. Now, if he's a total dud after a couple of weeks, you go to your waiver wire and you say, all right, let's see if I can find another tight end. You can tune into our podcast, Fantasy Football Today. Every Tuesday, we talk about tight ends to pick up off the waiver wire. We'll give you some names to help you out. But if you don't want to deal with that type of work, maybe you're a busy guy, then just go get Kelsey or then go get Andrews I think it's and call it a day. <laughs> so that's the tight end strategy. The quarterback strategy is don't reach for one. Get one at a fair value. I do not think that ADP, like the CBS ADP, is necessarily reflective of what good value is. Patrick Mahomes right now is on average ninth off the board. It's too soon. I know he's awesome. Okay. But Josh Allen is awesome too. And you can get him toward the end of round two. People love Lamar Jackson. You could get him round three or round four. Justin Fields, same thing. Everybody's kind of freaking out on Joe Burrow because he hurt his calf in training camp. Don't even sweat it. He should be back for week one. Maybe he has one bad game before he really gets back to up to speed. Just don't panic. There's going to be one available who can get you somewhere between 20 to 25 fantasy points per game. 25 might be too high. Let's call it 23. 20 to 23. Dak is one of those guys. Tua, as long as he's healthy, is one of those guys. Anthony Richardson could be one of those guys. And you could draft two of them. It's no big deal, especially if you've got a tight end early. You should be good to go. So that's the quarterback strategy is look for one at a good value. Running back is actually deeper than I thought it would be this year. I found myself sort of waiting on running backs a little bit more often. I I do try to get one running back and one wide receiver with each of my first two picks and then go for a best available player in round three and round four. Wouldn't be so bad at all if you had two running backs and two wide receivers after your first four picks in your draft. But there will come a time when you look at the running backs who are left on the board and you're going to want to throw up because it's names like Khalil Herbert and Brian Robinson, A.J. Dillon, Antonio Gibson, Jamal Williams. This is happening in round eight. I would say try and get at least two to three running backs before you get to round eight. I think you can wait a little bit longer on receiver. That's typically been the deepest position. And what we see in fantasy with receivers are the the best receivers get a ton of targets and they're the ones that go off the board first. So that's Jefferson and Chase and Tyreek Hill and Cooper Cup and Stephon Diggs. But there there isn't that much of a difference between like the 18th wide receiver and the 30th wide receiver Mm -hmm. on draft day. George Pickens is, is a favorite of mine. If I lose out on him, but I get Tyler Lockett, I'm good. If I, if I pick up Mike Evans and I'm, and I'm worried about him being too old or playing with Baker Mayfield, I don't, I don't sweat it because I'm getting him probably in round seven. <clears throat> I think you can, excuse me. I think you can find wide receivers with some really good appeal all the way into round nine and 10. So I might say, try and get four receivers by the time you get to round 10. It doesn't mean you should wait on them, but you should, you should probably ultimately try and get one really good wide receiver and one really good running back 
and then kind of build your team around those two tent pole type players on your team. Sounds good. I like the Kelsey advice. I like simplicity. Going to go for him. Hopefully my fraternity brothers don't listen to this. We'll see. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't matter if they do or don't. The secret's out on Kelsey. He's been a a top tight end in fantasy for five years. So people set their watch to him knowing that he can be just an outstanding player. What are, what are his rookie cards going for? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. When you ask what a card goes for, there's so many different cards, right? Like, yeah, you've, yeah, got, yeah. you've got like Panini Flawless. Those are like $10,000 cards. There's like one of ones. Then you have like your, your select and, and other cards like that where it's not so much. But I think as an overall player, his legacy is pretty cemented now. Yeah. So he's, mm-hmm. I would consider, you know, a blue chip investment. He's not the flashiest, sexiest guy in the world. Like you said, he's reliable. You really need to have a little flash to you to to do well in the card market. But yes, you know, that his, is definitely true. But his rookie cards, I think, were, are fine investments right now because he's he's already done it. I get it. I've got, I do happen to have a rookie card of his. I think it would grade it like an eight though. It's a, It's a panini. It's blue. It's got a refract element to it. So I guess that means it's a prism. Mm-hmm. Yep. Blue prism. Does that yep. make sense? Yep, does that exist? Does. Yeah. Definitely. I got one of those. I you should get it signed. Those. That's what I'd recommend. <laughs> that you uh-huh. get it signed and then you send it to get graded. So if you get an eight, that's okay. that's fine. But if, if it's an autograph card with an eight, now you're talking. That's do you have card. any autograph connections still from, from back in the day? Like, do you know anybody, any of no. your friends? or I, I tried yeah. to be that guy. Yeah, I wanted to be that guy that mm-hmm. people knew for for autographs and and that stuff, but it it turned out to be really hard and really annoying to like chase down guys and wait around for them or go to a card show and then wait in line. Right. So no, unfortunately, I don't. I know people on the Chiefs, but I I don't have the stones to say, hey, if I send you a card, <laughs> no. I'm a member of the media. I'm trying to study your team without bias. If I send you a card of Travis Kelsey, can you? Have them autograph it and send it back to me, please. Buy a buy a lunch or something. Can't, can't With, do that. No, yeah, <laughs> you don't. You don't want to abuse it. Yeah, you want to be above board because then yeah. word gets out. You're just. What about the other teams? Yep. Who have you met just in the past, like in your know, your current role? Have you met any interesting athletes, like any that you've always wanted to meet, or I'm just curious how, how often you run into athletes or celebrities or things like that. From time to time, I get to go to events where there's football players and interview them. Mm. Back in April, CBS hosted a <clears throat> a show called The Catch. It was part of the Sport Fishing Championship. And so Justin Herbert was there. Quinnen Williams was there. DeAndre Hopkins was there. Chris Jones was there. And I got to interview them. But, like, I asked them some football questions. But then we also did, like... You know, like people love cutesy stuff on social. So we we created a game called Name That Fish, which you can search for <laughs> on Twitter and uh, and watch these guys try and guess which type of fish I'm showing them. It was, it was very silly. That's great. Awesome. <laughs> We're definitely going to look that up. <laughs> definitely. I'm watching um, it tonight. Yeah. You yeah. will laugh. It, yeah. it turns out they're very funny. Oh, that's great. Well, Dave, I, again, we don't want to keep you too long because I, I know that time is valuable to you and, and you said to us, but we don't we don't want to kind of push this too far. But we do have a couple last questions. One question that yeah. we always ask, and I think this kind of 
dovetails into a little bit of, of my last question is we always ask our guests, it's kind of the the coffee dinner question. If you could have a coffee or dinner with a with an athlete, either alive or deceased, who's that athlete for you? Does that have to be an athlete? Could it be a coach? No, it doesn't. No, because Nick asked me our first episode and I didn't give him an athlete. So no, you don't have to. I think I'd love to have a, a nice long dinner with Bill Belichick. Because I think he just he knows he knows his history of football for sure. But to ask him questions about the game that could help me analyze the game, I think that would be worth like I don't know. I don't know if there's an amount that I could put on that. I absolutely believe that he's a phenomenal coach. So that would that would probably be the guy that I would say. I think it's a great one. I mean, he's a historian too. I mean, it's it's like right. there's that audio clip of somebody asking him. I think it's like the history of the long snapper. Yeah, yeah and he yeah. went oh, into yeah. like a half an Absolutely. hour diatribe about the history of the long snapper. So yeah, I think that's a that's a great one. Yeah, especially for you chance to sit and talk with him, unfiltered, not having him worry about what he tells me, mm-hmm. coming back as a as a soundbite or something like that, an an off the record conversation about football and analytics that would be amazing i would love that yeah Oops, spot on yeah. spot we would on. we would go to the the 99 restaurant closest to it for sure and sit in a booth <laughs> the 99 get some gold fever wings at the 99. that's exactly right <laughs> yes yes <laughs> love it love it well dave thank you so much for for joining us today i i, I do want to leave you with just kind of how can people how can people find you if they want to reach out to you about that set you're trying to build or fantasy <laughs> questions. Sure. Yeah. Send them to Twitter at Dave Richard. I'm again, still calling it Twitter. Old habits yeah, die hard. I, I can't guarantee responses to everybody, but I I'm on there a lot. My email address is on there. Can't re- guarantee responses to everybody, but I, I do my best. And if you're interested in the fantasy advice and you just want to read articles or catch up with our shows, our live streams, just go on Google and search for CBS sports fantasy football today. And you will get links to everything we do right then and there. That's great. That's great, Dave. Yeah. Well, thank you. This was a, this was a great show. Hopefully for the audience, definitely focused on fantasy, but we did touch on collecting, especially those rookies to go target. So I think we, we all got a a short list of, of cards that we all want to go and, now I, I have down, like so. I have like forty Trent Dilfer nineteen ninety four SP rookies in varying condition. Mm. Does anybody out there want one? Ooh. I'll sell them to you. <laughs> All right, want to buy a Trent Dilfer SP rookie? Come on, this has got to be worth a ton, right? It's, it's got to be a Super Dilfer Bowl fan champion Trent yeah. Dilfer. There's plenty of Dilfer fans out there. Come Absolutely. on, <laughs> maybe they'll right, sign great. them. Go to Alabama. Go to Birmingham and have them signed for you. That's one of the things I used to do back in the day when I was collecting was trying to find that next big player mm-hmm. just buy up as many rookie cards as I could of him. Oh, I did that with Dilfer. That. And I still have every Dilfer that I bought. So that didn't work out so well. <laughs> Why couldn't great. I have done that with Michael Jordan oh. for crying out loud? Oh, I know you're in the Chicago area too. Oh yeah. Man. It would have been, been nice. Again, <laughs> it been nice. on a yacht in the Mediterranean. All right. Well, Dave, thanks so much, Nick. Great show today. Definitely. Thanks. All right. Thank you, Dave. I, I, I will let you know how I do this season. I'll definitely. Sure. Please do. I want to, I want to find out.
Great. You use our rankings, you should have a fighting chance. Sounds good. Hopefully you'll finish ahead of LZ. <laughs> no way. <laughs> All right, LZ. So we just had on, I don't know, the smartest person alive in fantasy football. I was just like blown away by him. Just for the audience. LZ and I thought this would be kind of a cool episode to do because all of us prospect, all of us invest in, in cards and fantasy football is so related. You're trying to find the rookie that's going to pop, a player that's going to have his best season ever, and you want to get behind the curve. And if you run some analytics, it sounds like you can kind of figure some stuff out. So hopefully you enjoyed this. It was kind of fun, but I, I loved it. I, I'm still kind of blown away. I, I'm I'm going to do well in my fantasy league, I think. I don't know. What do you think, LZ? Yeah, you're going to do just fine on your fantasy league with the amount of tips he gave. I, I thought it was interesting, the the Kelsey way of doing it, right? I, I didn't even thought of that. But yeah, I mean, he he threw he threw that curveball at us too with the fact that he used to own a sports collecting and memorabilia business back in the day. So that was really interesting, right? He started talking about PSA and some of the cards he was collecting. But Nick, to your point, it's all related right? All of this, it's like one big ecosystem, right? I, I, I'm i sure that back in the day when Dave was starting that that business about collecting and he started learning how to get out there and talk to agents and what what I should be looking at is what sort of players I should be going after for autographs. It's all related, right? It's all related to now the research that he does for fantasy sports. Right. So it was great. Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, it's symbiotic. They feed each other. Mm -hmm. I think if, if somebody does well in fantasy, most likely their cards will do well. Obviously, there's a range of cards, but in general, they should rise. So I think it was it's pretty useful advice. I was writing down names furiously, thinking like, all right, I need to go grab 20 rookie cards, this this player, and just... It, it actually makes it more fun in a way. You're sort of... You're gambling a bit, right? You're like, oh, cool. All right, I got like 20 cards. I hope he does well. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I think with you getting back into to fantasy football too, right? You're probably going to, you're going to identify you know, with the free agent ads that you're going to be doing on a weekly basis and looking at what's called the waiver wire, which is who's getting picked up and who's getting dropped. I think you're, you're going to discover other players similar to Aiden O'Connell, which is one of the, the big ones that he mentioned right on his list, including some of those other rookies and more of the obvious ones like Richardson and, and BJ Robinson. But yeah, I think, yeah, I think it was great. I, I think it was very, very interesting for him. And for all the listeners, Dave's trying to collect that set, right? What was that one? That was like the 1997, was it the Upper Deck? Yeah. Yep. Or upper yeah, deck. It was the, yeah, the Upper Deck Legends. So that's yeah, a, yeah, hit, hit Dave up for that one. So trying to convince him to get that set signed. So it's pretty cool. I love how he's held on to like a memento for all, from all these years that Jordan um, mm -hmm. sounds like he'll have that for a while. It's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Yep. It's, it's interesting. It's all, a lot of it comes back to these Jordan cards. It's the Jordan, it's the mantle, the Mickey yeah. Mantle and Jordan. I know <laughs> it's, 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 it's like it's these all... moments in time in the <laughs> yeah. hobby that uh, yep. made things pop. Right. And, and Jordan just yeah. Yeah, did so much for, for mm -hmm. everything. So crazy. Yeah. But I do hope again, I, I hope the audience got, got something out of this. I, I know that I definitely did. I'm going to be starting. You're going to do a fantasy league. I'm about to draft my my team, and in a way, it's gonna it's gonna force you to pay attention to some of these players. And you and I actually had this theory. Me and Nick reference a lot, like 
the Thanksgiving dinner talks that that we have as brother-in-law, there there was definitely a talk that we had around, hey, we should start getting into all these different fantasy leagues so we can start tracking players better. And it will kind of force us to do it in a way that's a, a bit fun as opposed to just kind of reading stats all day long. So uh, to all the listeners, I, th- I think it's a great idea. Get into a fantasy football league. You still have, let's call it a week by the time you listen to this kind of before, before the season really starts to kick off, but it could be a really good, a really good bet, especially some of these, these rookies Richardson's a, he's a big one. He's a big one. I mean, if he rushes for a thousand yards like Dave and the rest of his team think he's going to do, I mean, that's, that's like Lamar Jackson MVP season. That's. Mm. I know he got hurt, but that was like RG three back in the day. That's like Michael Vick. That's that's the type of numbers we're we're talking about here. So yeah, start collecting, right. start collecting Anthony Richardson. That could be a big one. Yeah. The other thing I'll say, if you're just a fantasy sports player, don't collect anything at all. You'd be surprised how much your knowledge is worth. If you're pro- if you're a good fantasy player and you just stumbled onto this pod, and you you're not really into collecting. I mean. I think you'd be surprised if, if you go after some of your, your rookies that you think will do well and, and you want to collect, it's probably a good place to start if you know your stuff. So yeah, it's, it's good. Great point. Great point, Nick. Cool. Yeah. Okay. All right. What do you think, LZ? We good? I think that's it. I think this is a great show today. Hopefully everybody enjoys it. Definitely. And uh, I will keep the audience updated, I guess, at some point on how I do in my league. Hopefully, hopefully <laughs> yes. well. We'll see. No, <laughs> I, I will make sure it. To, to the listeners and to the audience, I will make sure that every couple of weeks I'm going to be asking Nick how he's doing with his team. Awesome. So. All right. Thanks, everyone. We're going to try to drop this a little early to capitalize on all of the fantasy football drafts, drafts happening. So we won't be putting out an episode on Friday. We're going to hopefully get it out earlier this week. So should be fun. Enjoy your Labor Day weekend, everyone. That's the pod. 